Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. All right, it's Friday, TGIF, Friday edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here coming to you from the ESPN Honolulu studios and sitting across from my man, he is now a sports writer with the Spectrum News app, Brian McKinnis, BMAC, in the house. What's up, Brian? How's it going, man? It's going good. I'm always uh, happy and eager to help you end the work week. Yeah, yeah. We're sort of bringing up the caboose here of the uh, week of shows, and we have a little bit of news. Obviously, we're going to be bringing you some updates a couple of times throughout the next hour of the PGA Championship, and Tiger Woods trying to make the cut. He's hovering around that cut line. Would love to see him make it to the weekend. Uh, it will be less likely that I watch for the entirety if Tiger is not part of the weekend. I think I'm probably in the mass majority, but uh, we'll have updates on that a couple of times here. Also looking to talk with Lori Santi, a uh, color analyst for Spectrum Sports coverage of both Rainbow Wahine softball and Rainbow Wahine basketball. And a lot of good stuff coming out of those two programs here in recent weeks. Uh, also want to talk with her about one of her favorite topics, her Golden State Warriors. The Warriors able to dismantle Dallas and keep Luka Doncic at bay in game one of that series. We'll get Lori's reaction to that. And I do want to talk to you, BMAC, because uh, hoops has always been uh, one of your primary uh, focuses as a journalist you were the beat yeah. writer for university of hawaii men's basketball for uh, many years now a, more of a general sports reporter but obviously basketball still a major part of that so i do want to get into uh, some of the nba playoff discussion with you but let's start off with maybe the biggest news of the day as it pertains to the university of hawaii football program the mountain west conference we were sort of anticipating this possibly happening uh, but they have announced the elimination of divisions effective in 2023 so obviously as it currently stands the mountain west for which hawaii is a football only member is currently comprised of two six-team divisions, the Mountain Division and the West Division, Hawaii, of course, in the West Division. The NCAA Oversight Committee, the Division I Council, approved the proposal by the Pac-12 to eliminate the requirement for conferences with 12 or more teams to have divisions in order to be able to host or hold conference title games. Now, leagues of any size can play without divisions. They can still hold conference championship games, which would feature the top two teams overall in the league. That's what the Mountain West has announced, that they're going to take the top two teams in terms of winning percentage and match them up in the Mountain West Championship. And so uh, this is something that, again, isn't like much of a surprise. The Pac-12 trying to position itself uh, to perhaps have a better inroad to a New Year's Day Bowl or even the college football playoff. I think they're thinking RPI-wise, uh, if you have the two top teams, if you're guaranteed to have the two top teams in the league, it would help. In, in RPI standing and it would help in terms of overall resume for teams to maybe knock on the door of the playoff and or get into one of their those New Year uh, New Year's Day bowl games. But how does it impact, because this is always the lens we have to watch this stuff through, how does it impact the University of Hawaii? If you go back to 2019, uh, Hawaii had the fourth best record in the Mountain West, but by virtue of winning the West Division and edging out San Diego State, they were able to play Boise State in the Mountain West Championship game. Under these new provisions here, without divisions in 2023, if Hawaii finishes in that range, they would not get an opportunity to play in the championship game. So I, I now uh, give the floor to you here, Brian, because I want to get your reaction to this decision and announcement by the Mountain West Conference. And do you like it? 
from the vantage point of the University of Hawaii. Well, I like what you just said about provisions without divisions. Yeah. It's got a nice ring to it. I think it. we're going to put that on the T-shirt. There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, we, we kind of were able to see this, you know, coming, the the uh, ripples across the college football landscape with some of the Power Fives making that same call. And I think probably the question on, on most UH fans' minds right now is, you know, what exactly are those matchups going to be starting in 2023? Uh, will the existing West team still dominate the eight-team conference schedule as presently constructed with five the uh, uh in the west plays the five other teams in the west every year and then th three teams from the mountain division crossover mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. a, on a two-year rotational basis so this coming fall for the 22 2022 season it's going to be uh air force boise state and new mexico right uh in the first of what would be that two-year rotation so it'll be interesting to see if like I believe San Jose State and Fresno State, Hawaii, going back to the old WAC days, has played those teams every single year. Go, go, like, uh, I can't remember the exact number of years in a row now, but those have been the constants on a Hawaii football schedule, like going back decades. So hopefully, at least like you know Fresno, people still get excited for that matchup. Yeah. San Jose State, of course, there's now the Tomi Trophy. Uh, old rivalry there as well. And, I mean, you got the Chevron Cordero factor right now for San Jose. <laughs> so uh, those are probably teams you would like to see remain on the schedule. And, and you know, San Diego State's nice, of course. Uh, but, I mean, maybe Hawaii gets to see Boise State more often other than just every, you know, every two years kind of deal. Uh, and so already you were dealing with, even with the division breakup, uh, you were already dealing with, uneven scheduling right mm -hmm. because you have the divisions that all play one another the teams that are in the mountain or the west divisions uh, and then you would have those crossover games as you're talking about and so the measurement as far as overall conference record it was still skewed because not everybody's playing the same schedule uh, that's still going to be the case with 12 teams playing you know you're not going to be able to play 11 conference games per season and so it's going to be imbalanced in that way uh, and so there seems to be in incongruity philosophically here that I'm just having a hard time wrestling with. Like, I understand that was already the case. And yet there seemed to be some kind of playing field balance when it came to the division breakdown. A am I just looking at this thing wrong here? Uh, I mean, no, no not, necess not necessarily. I think like you pointed out in 2019, it gave you know, a, a team like Hawaii a chance in what was a fairly, you know, balanced West division. Everyone kind of beat up on everyone. And, uh, you know, Boise proved itself the best team that year, like they do a lot of times. Yeah. But I, th I think it was still right for a team from, you know, that half of the conference that, like I said, beat up on each other to a pretty pretty unusual extent that there, there was so much parity that year. Somebody still, you know, deserved to come out of that field. Um, and at least have a chance to win a championship. And, you know, the best team probably won in the end. But, um, yeah, I think there's going to be – there's still a lot of questions that are going to hang in the air about what exactly that schedule will look like on a, you know, year-to-year -year basis and, and how far – in advance will we know who's coming 296-1420 is the number to call or text if you have a question or comment obviously we're talking about the big story today as it pertains to uh football that was the mountain west conference's announcement that they are going to play without divisions divisionless football uh starting in 2023 how is that going to change the dynamic because you look back on that 2019 season and that's the last season that hawaii uh, was able to claim a division championship and play in the mountain west championship 
championship game. Uh, and so that's going to be the quickest look back, right, as far as how this may impact uh, a season uh, under the the standard sort of University of Hawaii layout. And uh, Hawaii was 10-5 and five overall that year. Uh, they were 5-3 and three in the conference. They edged out San Diego State uh, to claim the West Division. On the other side, you had, as mentioned, three teams that had better records than Hawaii in conference, and that was Boise State, which went 8-0, and uh, Air Force, which was nationally ranked. They were 7-1 and in conference. Air Force was also 11-2 and overall. Boise was 12-2. and So I think therein sort of lies the motive on the part of the Mountain West Conference, and you can throw the Pac-12 because they sort of initiated this conversation with the NCAA. But therein lies the motivation to do this is – the Mountain West is looking at that and say, we had two nationally ranked teams, but only one of them could represent the conference in the conference championship. Sure. And that's not doing the league as a whole any favors because we're trying to knock on the door of the New Year's Day bowl games. We're even trying to, you know, if, if the stars align and, and everything works out uh, to our advantage, uh, we're even looking to knock on the door of the college football playoff. And certainly as expansion uh, continues to be part of the, the conversation and what's in the cards for the playoff, I think that's an another thing that these conferences are trying to anticipate and position themselves for. And so I understand the motivation on the part of the conference. Uh, what I look back on, because, you know, hey, look, college football is, is so much of a visceral experience, right, when it comes to sports fans and fans of programs and allegiances. And you look back on 2019, and there were some ups and downs that season, but Hawaii came on strong towards the end, and you had meaningful games late in the season, including when Hawaii took on San Diego State. And, and I think that's my fear, is some of those meaningful games that were allowed to be meaningful because of the division breakup, those aren't necessarily going to exist anymore. You will know pretty early on in the season whether or not, you know, uh, just as an example, that last regular season game against San Jose State this season. Obviously, they're still going to play under the division setup, but you'll know pretty early whether or not that's going to be a game that will have any kind of stakes or impact. And, and to me, that, that takes some of the luster away. Well, instead of trying to be, you know, the best one out of six in your division, now you're trying to be the best two out of 12 overall, right? So, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, some, some late season games for, for the teams that stumble early on, I guess there would be a, a reduction of stakes uh, per se. But um, at least those early games, I mean, shoot, I, I guess everyone probably goes in feeling like, hey, you know, anyone could come out of this thing, at least in the early going. Yeah, 296-1420, the number to call or text. Uh, so are you in favor of this? I mean, is this something that you sort of – find yourself embracing or do you have some of the same uh, perhaps hesitations that I do you know I, I just really want to see how how the Mountain West is going to schedule this thing out like uh, yeah whether it's going to be more crossover or if they're just going to basically keep the same kind of division schedule but without the structure of a division so that you know like you said two teams from the same uh, historical division grouping could conceivably make the title game. So, uh, yeah, that's my biggest question, my biggest curiosity right now. 
uh, is that 2023 when that scheduled drop happens? That, yeah. that, that'll be interesting. Yeah, because I mean, the Mountain West is is pulling no punches. They're not trying to hide anything here. They have even in their announcement said this enhanced structure, as they are referring to it, will ensure the top two teams meet in the championship game and put the Mountain West in the best position for a place in the college football playoff. So that's just, that's sort of where this is all about. And and I and I understand that. I think that is what the leadership in every conference sets out to do, right, is how to best position our conference on the national scale, on the national landscape, uh, particularly at a time in college football where the distance between the haves and the have-nots, it just continues to grow and widen almost every single day. You know, it, it's been a nice uh, alternative to, to talk about this compared to the uh, – uh, Nick Saban and oh uh, <laughs> Texas A&M squabbles going on. <laughs> yeah, we had a little bit of that sound on yesterday. And, and yeah, I mean, Nick Saban, I mean, just how, how cringeworthy is it to hear Nick Saban uh, – lamenting about how difficult the world of college football is the the business of college football is for this guy and trying to claim obviously in such disingenuous fashion that he wants more parity in college football like what are you talking about it's the same five teams every single year that's where we've come uh, and now you have this nil factor that is at least for some programs maybe giving them a puncher's chance to reach out and and try to strike a blow to the bama dominance right and uh, or at least that handful of programs that have been there perennially uh, and then nick saban bristles about it so so you're right that, that that's the ugly side of of this college football club that everyone's trying to, to get into and now you have as almost a byproduct and an effect of that this move made by the mountain west conference and uh, obviously the pac-12 conference is not far behind self-awareness coming at a premium in college football yeah at least for those elite coaches yeah unbelievable unbelievable all right so uh, what we got coming up here uh, remaining on this edition of the show uh, Lori santi is going to join us at the bottom of the hour we're going to talk about her favorite subject which is her golden state warriors oh she loves her golden state warriors they looked pretty good in game one against luca and the mavs uh, but is that going to be the norm for this series going forward we'll talk a little bit about that on the other side of this break we also have a couple of pga championship updates including one that's coming on in about 20 seconds here so we'll get to that uh, in a moment of course we will have our best and worst uh, later on but i do want to get your thoughts on the return of al horford and marcus smart do they make that much of a difference for the seas because it seemed to work out for the celtics in game two you're listening to let's talk sports What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Friday edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here coming to you from the ESPN Honolulu Studios downtown, sitting across the table from my man, Brian McInnes of the Spectrum News app. You want to tell people how they can uh, read your stuff, BMAC? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, Spectrum News app, you know, downloadable on any mobile device. Uh, it's free content, basically, if you just input whatever, um, you know, Spectrum username you have for either your internet, your mobile, uh, what have you. And, uh, yeah, it's a very clean app. It's just, like, no ads on it. Just, you know, you pull up whatever section you want, news, politics, sports, what have you. And uh, I, I try to keep it furnished best I can. All right. Well, very good. Very good. 296-1420 is the number to call. We're glad to have BMAC in the house. You know, just to sort of finish up the discussion about the announcement by the Mountain West today following suit with the Pac-12, which I believe made the announcement official yesterday uh, that they were going to scrap divisions starting in 2023. Uh, there are other conferences uh, that are going to likely consider this 
as well. I, I know that there have been discussions, at least reportedly, from the ACC uh, at their recent meetings. And while they haven't uh, necessarily voted on the divisional format, uh, there has been the discussion of a 3-5-5 schedule. So, uh, you know, obviously eight conference games on the docket in, in most situations. Uh, and so what the ACC is talking about is three permanent rivals for each team annually. And then you would rotate between five teams and the other five teams in the league. Those numbers don't necessarily work out mathematically with the 12-team Mountain West, but if you were to, just for the sake of argument, pick three opponents to be the annual primary opponents for the University of Hawaii, and you can utilize any factors here uh, in, in the way you perform this, this algebra and, uh, and, and form your opinion, which three teams would they be? I mean, you can think competitively speaking. You can think, you know, this would be the best place for Hawaii to travel every other year uh, and its fans. So who are the three teams? Keegan is working the board today. I want to get your three as well, Keegan, but BMAC, who you got? Yeah, man, it <clears throat> makes for an interesting debate, right? I mean, uh, I would have to, I mean, Fresno, like, has to be in there to me. Like, just historic rival, you know, like I mentioned in the previous segment, they've played them every year going back to the old whack days. That it's man, it's UNLV has to right. I mean, just for for the the fans' benefit. I mean, the Hawaii fans want to go to Vegas every other year, right? Right. And but this is where it gets tough here because I'm I'm with you. Fresno and Vegas to me seem like the obvious ones. If you're going to pick three permanent rivals, yeah, those two got to be there. But this third one becomes tough. <laughs> you know, there, there's some other um, perpetual trophies that Hawaii has with teams like Wyoming, like Air Force. And, and San Jose State, there's, you know, four perpetual trophies now. Uh, I guess I'll go San Jose State. I mean, another historic, you know, probably the fans don't get as excited about that one, but that's an eminently winnable game almost every year. Really good battles between those two teams. Always seems like it's close. But I, I think you got to have San Jose, Fresno, and UNLV. 296-1420 is the number to call or text. So no San Diego State. No, no love San, for the Aztecs no. as a permanent tough rival. Tough cut. That's a tough one. All right, Keegan, who you got? Okay, well, first of all, how serious would you like me to be with my pick? Uh, I, we I want you to treat this, this like the most important thing that's ever been discussed. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Whatever. All all right. Right. <laughs> Whatever, Well, man. if we're being serious. It's sports talk radio. Let's not take it too serious. Okay, well, if you're being like, if you if you want a true three, UNLV, obviously, right? Because you like that Ninth Island thing. Yeah. Kind of going I hate sweet. that term, by the way, Ninth Island. Like, with with all of my heart, I, I hate that term. But I understand it. I okay, understand well, UNLV, it. number one. Uh, I would actually like to say Boise would be number two. Just because Whoa. you like you like having that kind of you, I mean I wouldn't say rivalry but it it does go back a couple of years where you know some you, classics there yeah. are some good classics in that matchup and you're and there is always a chance that it could happen every single time. I mean that's a season maker if you're able to beat Boise right, right. that that makes your season. So alone, I would almost. take Boise I would take UNLV I actually would also take San Diego State here because again another another shot where you have two good teams going at and look. If you're if you're looking at the uh, what's it, the what's it called the uh, the Hawaii Bowl thing with the San Diego State coach oh yeah that yeah. went on then yeah you're you're looking at two teams that hate each other and I like the, the those two teams that hate each other and go right at it okay okay yeah interesting because uh, Brian and I neither of us really looked at trying to include any of the teams currently in the Mountain West. Uh, the Mountain Division of the Mountain, Mountain West Division, yeah. uh, as one of those three permanent rivals. Just kind of makes more sense geographically speaking, I think, for it to be more Western region uh, type of teams. Uh, but 
Keegan leaving out Fresno State. I leave that out. That is tough. I leave out Fresno and I leave out San Jose, San Jose State because it feels like those three games. Well, UNLV obviously number one. You have to kind of leave in there, but between <laughs> Boise and San Diego State, those are games that if you're a fan, you like to see. Whether you be from Hawaii or Boise State, just because of what goes on between those two teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to see them, whether it's every year or every other year. You're going to see those teams. Uh, and, and, yeah, I don't know. Competitively speaking, maybe that's not the worst thing imaginable if Hawaii doesn't play Boise every year as they're trying to be one of the top two teams in winning percentage to make it to that championship game. I don't know. I think UNLV has to be on there because of that affiliation, Vegas and, and, and the Hawaiian Islands, such a, uh, a favorite tourist spot or, or vacation spot for people here. Um, I think that UNLV has to be there, not to mention it's a great stadium. It's overall great experience, and that's becoming a bit of a rivalry in itself, too. Uh, I agree with BMAC. I think Fresno's got to be there. There's just too much history. There have been too many classic battles. I think Fresno's got to be there. That third one is tough for me. You know, the Tommy connection with San Jose State, obviously it's going to be a great uh, storyline here with Chevin Cordero there this year. Um, but I think I go San Diego State just because, you know, the Aztecs in Hawaii, they've in the years where Hawaii has vied for that West Division title, it has been San Diego State that they've had to overcome. Um, I, I, I think competitively speaking, that's a good ball game, usually features good talent, um, and is competitive, and, and another one where, you know, you win that game, uh, you're, you're sitting pretty decent when it comes to some of your strength of schedule and RPI ratings. So, uh, yeah, I think I go with those three. Yeah, I don't know if I love it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go wrong. I mean, it's a fun discussion, right? Yeah, like, we yeah. were having a great time debating this during the, the commercial break, and then it extended to right now. Yeah, so. exactly. There you go. Yeah, 296-1420 is the number to call. Uh, we're going to have Lori Santi on in just a few minutes. We're going to talk a little NBA, but uh, I know that you're a big Hoops fan, BMAC. Uh, and let's start with the C's bouncing back, the Celtics. They welcome back Marcus Smart and Al Horford. And obviously, they made a huge difference for Boston. Uh, defensively, uh, Marcus Smart also had a pretty good offensive game, what, 24 points? Um, had a shake move that saw Struess hit the floor and then still did an inside-out dribble after the fact and hit the jumper. That was pretty pimp right there. But uh, the Celtics, even that series, 1-1. Does Horford and Smart make that big of a difference? I mean, obviously, two starters, Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year. Do they make that big of a difference, though? Oh, he was wicked smart. <laughs> yeah. That was awful. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently so. I mean, God, Marcus did like a basically a triple-double, right, with like 12 assists, nine rebounds, shot the ball well. The whole team shot the ball incredibly well, uh, 20 for 40. So you're you're going to win, win a lot of ball games uh, shooting the long ball like that. And But I think Al Horford just – he does a lot of intangible things, and he's just such a steady veteran presence out there. And we saw what he did in the, in the previous round, like – turning back the clock with uh, 30 is that what he dropped yeah uh, career high yeah for the playoffs yeah um he had a, and like and like wore Giannis out like here's yeah. Al Horford at 35 years old wearing Giannis out like this is crazy what's happening with this guy uh, I so I, I do think yes he, he is missed um you wouldn't think maybe to the extent that it you know was a blowout the other direction in game one so I just hope we see more competitive games in yeah. these playoffs. It just seems there's been way too many blowouts. Yeah, I mean, remember, there were two Game 7s over the weekend. It was like, this is going to be fantastic. Two best words in all of sports, Game 7, and both of them were duds because they were both blowouts. And so far, these conference uh, final series have been pretty lopsided each game. 
as well. So, so yeah, I don't know. I, I was a little surprised. I mean, I know Marcus Smart and Horford changed the dynamic, particularly at the defensive end for Boston, but uh, I don't know. Like, it, it just, it, it, the, the pendulum swing was so violent from what we saw from Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat in game one and then what we saw in game two, Boston winning on their home floor. It's like, oh, I, I don't know really what to make of that. Is this one of those series that's going to swing back and forth like that until we get to another game seven scenario? I have a prediction for the Miami Heat. Ooh, it's Duncan Robinson time. <laughs> Their trump card. He's been on ice. Just They're waiting to dust him off at the right moment. I yeah. think it's coming. I, I don't know. I, he, he doesn't quite fit into what they do defensively. You know, I, in the joke that uh, only I've ever made is uh, they call him Unkin Robinson because there's no D. No one's ever told a joke like that before. So, Never. Yeah, that's a, but yeah, I don't know. He can shoot the ball. There's no doubt about it. He can spread the floor. Uh, but it's a little bit matadorish at the other end. Uh, they got Jimmy Jimmy buckets to <laughs> and patrol. They got Bam to protect the yeah. rim, right? Um, Warriors smash the Mavs in game one of that. We'll talk with Lori uh, a little bit. But uh, in, in game one of that series, uh, do the Warriors have something figured out when it comes to bottling up Luka or what? Luka was minus 30 and plus minus in that first game. I mean, that's a heck of a stat. I mean, he was on the court basically for all the game's meaningful moments when it turned into a blowout, so that makes sense in retrospect. But I, I think he'll find a way to break through. I mean, you can't, you just can't keep that guy down for too long, it seems like. Yeah, maybe a fatigue factor, right, maybe. for the Mavs, too. They had one of those seven-game series and then blew Phoenix off of the floor, uh, off of their home floor in game seven of that one. And so a little bit of an extended series, a little more layoff for the Warriors, uh, I, I'm kind of thinking that some of the residue of that previous series uh, was apparent in that first game. So, yeah, you anticipate a bounce back here for Luka. Uh, I, I think we're all on the same page there. Right? I don't know if they're going to be able to, like, win that series, but uh, there's some people walking around here that think uh, the Mavs are going to win the whole thing. Is is that uh, Keegan? Is, is that the Keegan yeah, call? Ke well, ke yeah, Keegan thinks that the Mavs are going to the finals. Oh, my goodness. I... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they they are the epitome of a one man show, and I I want chaos. I want chaos. <laughs> he's, he's an agent of chaos. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. You, you disagree? I would. Ha uh, I, I I just think the Dubs have have too much. Uh, you know, they're they're not quite their old selves yet. You know, Clay Thompson is still a little hit or miss, especially defensively. Um, but Jordan Poole has been giving yeah. him a lot off the bench. Um, Wiggins has been hitting and playing defense at a high level. So I, I think those guys have the makeup to get back there. Whether they can win it all, I don't know. I actually would kind of favor either the Heat or the Celtics. But um, it, it's just been a weird playoffs, man. Like, I, you got four teams with, like, low 50 wins. Like, that just doesn't really ever happen, um, even though it's the basically the top two teams in the East. The West, you know, number three and four seeds. It, it's just been kind of a – all over the place playoffs. Yeah, pretty strange stuff. We'll uh, talk a little more hoops on the other side with Lori Santi. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. All right, welcome back. Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the ESPN Honolulu studios, sitting alongside BMAC, Brian McInnes of the Spectrum News app. And we want to welcome our guest to the show via the phone line. Uh, she's my buddy and partner for Rainbow Wahine basketball coverage on Spectrum Sports. She's also an analyst for the Rainbow Wahine softball team. Uh, we want to welcome Lori Santi to the show. What's up, Lori? What is going on? I'm <laughs> trying to get over BMAC. BMAC Wicked Smart Con. You know, <laughs> Smart and Hoffa. 
Hey, Matt, you saved that up. You know, you just got to wait for your moment and bam. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. It, it, when when the, the set comes his way, BMAC <laughs> has to be ready to pound it down. Um, well, I know that one of your favorite topics of discussion, the Golden State Warriors, and they did a thing. They did a number on Luka in game one. Is that going to be the norm here going forward, Laurie? You know, honestly, I was – with Giannis and Embiid out, like, for me, the, the crux for the Warriors was we can't guard the big. You know, we can't go Lopez and Giannis inside. We don't have the guys to match up. But I don't know, you know. And we don't even have Iguodala yet. I'm, I'm using we. We don't yeah, have Yeah, yeah, a lot of we yet. stuff. What are you, French? Yeah. <laughs> no, we, no, we. When we're in the playoffs, I'm, that is my pronoun. Okay? <laughs> we. And. Yeah, I kind of like the matchup because Draymond's a guy, you know, love to hate him. But I'll tell you what, he runs that defense, and he he motors to know. You know, I forget, he's fast as heck, man. He's out from, you know, baseline to baseline and garden and directing traffic. So I kind of like our chances. I agree with Mac. I'm not sure what's going on with Clay. He takes a lot of, a lot of bad shots, you know, and he comes off that 30-point game six, but – He's super up and down, so I feel like if Wiggins isn't scoring, you know, it could be a little bit of trouble and pulls a little bit of a baby off the record. So <laughs> oh, man, but that he guy has been awesome. balling this year. He's un- Yeah, he's unreal. He's, he's fun to watch. But I have to kind of notice a little bit. I think Draymond's told him to get up a few times, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, X-Factor, but he kind of kind of disappeared after that big first series, right? You know, it was like all world, 30 a game, and then, kind of got back in his, in the in the middle of the bus there for the last series. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like the chances. I think the more they play together, they haven't played a lot of games together with Draymond, Steph, and Clay have been on at the same time. And, you know, in, in coaching matters, but you're a Popovich guy. Coaching matters with Kerr back. I mean, you know, guy's been there. Yeah, there's that championship pedigree. That's what you always hear, and obviously they're a team that has it as much or more than anybody. We're talking with Lori Santi, color analyst for Rainbow Wahine basketball coverage on Spectrum Sports as well as Rainbow Wahine softball. So let's keep talking hoops, but let's talk about that Rainbow Wahine program. I mean, what a run that they're on, right? Uh, Laura Beeman, <laughs> this might be like the best two- to three-month stretch in the history of the program with a conference championship, and then they go to the NCAA tournament, and uh, <laughs> and then they get the news on some recruiting fronts that are very positive, including the transfer home for Lily Wahine Kapu, who's going to play alongside her sister, Jovi Lefoto, in the backcourt for this Rainbow Wahine squad going forward. I mean, what's going on? The Amy Atwell Amy getting drafted? I mean, my starts her first Lord. game for the Sparks. It is so great to be with a winner, isn't it? It was a really fun season for us. And I haven't even got a hold of Beeman. Beeman was starting to play pickleball last year after her season, but she's so popular right now that I can't pin her down. So, uh, yeah, what a great run. And, you know, just to watch, to be able to watch Atwell, I mean, Kanoa, that, how, that was unbelievable. I don't care if you watch women's or men's basketball, this, that shooting display that went on this season – I kept waiting for it to, you know, for something to go awry. And, man, I mean, she put up 30 in the game, the NC2A game against Bill, 30. In fact, against Melissa Smith, who was the second pick in the draft, was guarding yeah. her that night. So, yeah, it's been a great run, and, but a lot of jostling going around, and it's one of the first transfers, you know, that we'll see in the league, right, from Jeff Harad at Fullerton and really Wahini Kapu was going to come. You know, it's going to be interesting now coming to Hawaii. There's a lot of that. They're going to get another Australian in. That's going to help them at 6-3. And so, yeah, I think it's obviously going to be great for recruiting. And um, I think they match up in the league down the road really well. 
Um, I think we even sort of figured out, because you guys know, you know, remember when the men were in the whack, it was more about bigs and the big West. It's more about the guard position. You know, it's just always, it sort of depends how the league is, you know, how you match up and uh, they matched up pretty well this year. Hey, Laurie, it's Brian. Um, I, I really want your reaction for going back to Atwell for a moment because, I mean, yeah, like you guys were talking about, she had just such an outstanding, one-of-a-kind senior, super senior, sixth-year senior kind of year, <laughs> <laughs> ultra super senior. Uh, Lori, what, what was your reaction like first when she, you know, she gets drafted, right? She surprised a lot of people when she got picked up in that third round, and then she makes the roster for opening day, which was another hurdle she had to overcome, and then she – starts her first game with the Sparks. I, I just curious, like, what was your reaction to all that as it was playing out? It was, you know, it was crazy, and it kind of, you know, you, you look at athletes at the end of their careers and how important performances are, certain performances. I mean, the Baylor performance was obviously a huge thing. As a national stage for Atwell, I'm not saying that she doesn't get drafted if they don't go to the NCAAs and she doesn't have that game, but, and you also look at, like, who coaches like. I mean, Derek Fisher's a three-ball guy, right? He you know, he shooters, you can never have enough of them. I don't care if it's the women's game or the men's game. And he saw that quick release and something that he liked. And then, she, yeah, she started. She's yet to hit a three. I've been following it pretty yeah. close, right? So I'm hoping that, you know, that's just, I mean, just the level of play in the WNBA over the last five or six years, it's, I mean, it, it's so much faster and so much more played up near, I'll say near the rim, right? And, you know, for Atwell to be in that situation sort of proves, I mean, she had six threes in the last preseason game, which yeah. I think you're talking about, solidified the roster spot, right? I mean, right. And I, I think she's had these incredible performances at really opportune times, and, uh, and it's really pushed her through this whole thing. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, I've been following her box scores, too, and she playing time has been limited the last two to three games, yeah. I want to say. Um, she hasn't really got off the bench, but um, yeah, so far I think she has like a couple of assists, maybe a couple of rebounds. She got called for a defensive three-second in, <laughs> in her first game, so that's an interesting way to get into the box score. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that with the minutes too, but I do, you know, I do feel like, and they're struggling, right? The Sparks have lost a heartbreak the other day. They're, they're struggling a little bit, so, you know, I, I don't know. I think that probably bodes well for them to maybe give her another shot, but, I, you know, that I've never really seen Atwell slump in a huge, huge way, so I feel like you know, that she's still got a shot to, to make her mark a little bit. But it's fascinating. I mean, Nani Cockett, you know, of course, our good friend and, and analyst, great Wahine player, got a free agent tryout, went on to play pro. But I still feel like Nani Cockett, in terms of athletic ability, was one of the best ever. And Amy Atwell gets drafted. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch that. Not since Judy Mosley have we had somebody even come close to that. Um, so, yeah, it's been amazing to watch. And just so fun. It's such a great ride, such a great vibe such a great group you know it's just really fun just like hawaii volleyball it's really fun to have they don't always come that often yeah right? but when they it is a great ride for everybody for the community and everybody involved so uh, yeah and that's really what strikes me about this and and uh, you know sorry Larry, we, we have only like maybe a minute left but what really strikes me uh, about what is happening right now with rainbow Wahine basketball is i'm not sure if anybody really saw this coming Obviously, Amy Atwell, you know, with her extended tenure with the program, you were expecting some great individual things and records to fall. But for this program to be where it's at right now and for Amy Atwell to have just driven the, that point home as, as sort of a capper to her career, like, wow, wow. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think, 
you know, it's all about, as you guys know, just getting people on the court at the same time. We weren't sure if Davies was coming back. There were all those little pieces and ups and downs and trials and tribulations that you go through in seasons where, I mean, even like we're talking about the NBA, it's about, I mean, Kyle Lowry's been out, you know, Gabe Vincent, Santa Barbara guys, been, you know, having your yeah. five people, there's only five in basketball, you know? So when you have a really good five, which Beeman did, and even went down to what, you know, a nine or 10, I mean, they went pretty deep this year, which I think was big. Yeah. Yeah. COVID well, and they just put it together. Well, Lori, apologies. We got to get going, but we can talk to you for so much longer. We got to get you on again soon. All right. We'll talk soon, buddy. It's nice talking to you guys. Go Warriors. All right. Thanks. See you, Lori. Thanks to Lori Santi. Best and worst. When we come back, let's talk sports. All right. Welcome back. Let's talk sports. We're in quarter number four here. Last day of the week. It's the weekend right around the corner. Kanoa Leahy coming to you on Let's Talk Sports from the ESPN Honolulu Studios, sitting across from my man BMAC, Brian McInnes of the Spectrum News app. We got Keegan working the board. Big thanks to Lori Santi for joining us. It's like we, the, the time just flew by. Like We didn't really have did. enough time to talk about all the things I wanted to talk with Lori about. Uh, and we got to get her on a little bit more frequently. Break up this boys club thing that we Seriously. have going. And I, I think it was a a breath of fresh air to have her uh, joining the conversation. And, you know, she's as uh, hardcore a sports fan and, like, in every realm as there is. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're still trying to figure out the timing of this thing. It's, it's Hey, look, the show's only two weeks old. We're still trying to figure out exactly how to conduct in our format. You know what I mean? We're, it's still very, like, precocious <laughs> in the studio right now. You know, it's we're like an infant just stumbling around here. That's, that's right, exactly. But uh, hopefully we'll find our way at some point. Uh, all right, but we do like to end the show uh, as usual with our best and worst here. Brian, did you come prepared with a best and worst? I did, man. All right. I did. You want to start with your best then? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, best. Uh, I got to go with a recent conversation uh, and story I wrote about uh, Yancey Medeiros, the uh, local MMA fighter from Makaha. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a guy, I will say, you know, right off the top, have not written much MMA in my uh, sports writing career. It's it's kind of a, a new thing for me, but that's part of, you know, what I'm doing for the Spectrum News app, just a little bit of everything. So I uh, had a chance to uh, chat a little bit with Yancey after his Bellator 279 win at the Blaisdell Arena. And, uh, man, I mean, that's that's about as, as genuine a guy as they come. I think just, just really... Um, is who he is to the fullest extent and, and is a pretty wholesome dude. I mean, he just uh, has a good vibe about him. Um, so it, it was cool to kind of have him reflect on some, you know, not dark times, but at least down times yeah. for him uh, in the UFC, losing four in a row, joining Bellator for a one-fight flyer, and just, you know, really rocking the house. Yeah, bringing like, the house down. You're everyone right. uh, was behind him, like – a lot of the local fighters had lost that night, and, and he almost single-handedly turned the thing around. So it was cool to see in person. It was really good to talk to him afterwards. Uh, that story is up on the Spectrum News app if you want to check it out. That's awesome. So your best was yourself. That was great, BMAC. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I did come prepared with the best. Me. No, I'm just kidding. That is a, a fantastic story. And, and, yeah, I think Yancey's going to be the guy now carrying that banner, right? And, and uh, you know, I think the Bellator relationship with Hawaii has become one that is pretty prominent, pretty valuable for both sides. And uh, Yancey uh, is probably the guy that's going to be the, the face of that here, at least in the foreseeable future. So, yeah, looking forward to, to checking that one out on the Spectrum News app. Uh, all right, my best. A big day for Josh Rojas, the former Rainbow Baseball standout, now with the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
not one, not two, three home runs today. A three-homer day against the Cubs. He hit a solo shot uh, in the, let's see, the third inning that was off of Kyle Hendricks. Hit a two-run shot off of Hendricks in the fifth and then hit another solo shot uh, in the seventh inning. So three-homer day for Josh Rojas. That is uh, fantastic to see. Diamondbacks went on to win that game 10-6. So it happened against the Cubs, and it happened at Wrigley Field. So I think that's even cooler is, is he did it at a ballpark that has so much rich history. So, uh, yeah, kudos to Josh Rojas, man. Shaka's. That's awesome. Uh, did he even have, like, a two-homer game in his career? I, I don't think so. I think he only has now six homers on the season, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> or, and he's been in the bigs what, a few years now, A few now, years right? now, yeah. 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 Good, good for that guy. Yeah, that's, that's big time, man. He's, he's, he's going to make it on SportsCenter tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll flip it over to the negative stuff uh, because we love to end the show on a negative note. What's your worst? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, I, I, I do have some Canadian roots uh, up there in, near Toronto and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm, I'm going hockey. And uh, they bowed out of the playoffs in the first round, losing a game seven uh, to the two-time defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And it looked, I believe Toronto led that series three games to two. Uh, game seven at home, you know, they, they couldn't close the deal. And I believe the last time they won a playoff series all the way back in 04, uh, they've lost up in like five or six straight game seven. So, uh, man, just just brutal for the Leafs, you know, if there's any hockey fans out there. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been on that train? Honestly, this year I probably paid way more attention to it than any other year in the past just because the Leafs were – on the upswing, uh, I think they had some pretty talented players this year. I know very little about hockey, so I, I definitely uh, say that with you know a grain of salt. But um, well, we'll see what happens. It's a uh, Tampa Bay and Florida Panthers in the second round. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, it appears as though the three homers for Josh Rojas were his first three homers this season. There you go. <laughs> he had 11 in 2021, and then prior to that, had two in 2019. So uh, yeah. Coming in bunches when it rains, it pours. So there you go, Josh Rojas. Uh, but, yeah, getting back to uh, the Leafs, yeah. That's the thing about NHL playoff hockey, right, is no series lead is seemingly safe, yeah. right? You know, in yeah. other sports, you're up 3-0, you're up 3-1. That's almost a wrap, right? You can pretty much consider, like, okay, you know, it's going to be a miracle of biblical proportions if a team comes from behind down uh, by that deficit in a series. But you see it, like, all the time in hockey. It's kind of crazy. I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe there's some hockey aficionados out there who could enlighten me on social media. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not one of those hockey aficionados, by the way. Like, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll kind of check it out. I'll side eye the NHL playoff Stanley Cup series. I'll kind of watch that, but it's, uh, I'll admit openly, it's uh, not necessarily my bag. Where's Nick Abramo? Nick Abramo. <laughs> oh yeah, he shout would out know. to my former star advertiser colleague. There you he go. He knows his hockey. He would know. All right, uh, I'll get to my worst, and um, this was. Uh, kind of unfortunate, but uh, Sage Steele of ESPN was struck in the face by a John Rom tee shot at the PGA Championship yesterday. Uh, she was apparently there covering it for ESPN, was supposed to do some sports center work, um, and was struck by a John Rom tee shot. One eyewitness told the publication The Quadrilateral that they saw her on the ground holding her nose, mouth, or chin area, and her hands were covered in blood. Oh, man. ESPN has not made any comment through a spokesperson. Medical personnel were summoned by the PGA of America. Uh, they were unaware of the incident, deferred it to ESPN as far as uh, publicly speaking on it, and so uh, not a lot of details beyond that. But apparently John Rahm hit a hard hook 
uh, to the left side tree line. We've all been there. Fortunately, when we play golf, nobody is watching and standing on the side or else it would be very dangerous. He yelled four left, apparently popped uh, Sage Steele in the grill. So I hope she's okay. Well, it's probably not fun to take a drive to the face from any PGA player, but John Rahm's got some girth to him, too. <laughs> yeah, like that's that. probably coming in hard and heavy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, BMAC, appreciate it, man. Great way to end the week. Brian McInnes, check out his work, Spectrum News app. Thanks to Lori Santi for jumping on with us as well. Keegan, have a good weekend. See you next week, everybody. Let's talk sports.